Welcome to Use and Abuse the Music Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Kim. This is episode number 33. And today we're going to be talking about Cindy Lauper's debut album, Cheese So Unusual. But before we move on, I want to give you all an update on the podcast. First, now we have a Facebook page. Just type in the search bar on Facebook at Used Abused Pod. Again, that is the at symbol, so shift number two. Used Abused Pod. We'll be posting information on episodes. We'll have some, we'll be having some polls and talk about new news and new music releases in the in the music industry. Fans are also encouraged to join. You can post and please click like and give us a five-star review. Last item is we are now on TuneIn. Yay! All right. So you can find the podcast on their app. Again, just type in use and abuse the semicolon a a a music podcast. Now let's find out what is this day in music history. Today is February 15th, and in 1939, pop singer Alvin Cash is born in St. Louis, Missouri. 1959, Al Ali Campbell, lead singer of UB40, is born in Birmingham, England, to Scottish folk singer Ian Campbell. I'm pretty sure that's Ian. Ian Campbell. <laughs> and 1969, Florida hairstylist Vicky Jones is arrested for impersonating Aretha Franklin at a club in Fort Myers, Florida. Incredibly, her performance is so believable that no patrons demand a refund. Sly and the Family Stone's Everyday People hits number one on their uh, for the first four weeks. Rolling Stone's front cover features an article on groupies, introducing a new term to popular lexicon. As rock and roll matures, fan culture also becomes more refined. And a name is needed for the ladies who hang out at the stage door, hoping for some intimate interaction with the band. These girls add color to and intrigue to the rock star stories, but they are typically minor characters in music journalism. Often sneered upon in print, Rolling Stone, in just their 27th issue, makes them the cover story and defines their moniker, Groupie. Here is some more information related to Groupie. The groupie culture shows up in dozens of songs. One of the most infamous of all groupies. Uh, actually, it's infamous. One of the most infamous <laughs> of all groupies, Cynthia Plaster Caster Albritton, Al who gets her name from her penchant, penchant for taking cast of band members. Members. Me members. Is immortalized in Kiss, Kiss's Plaster Caster, and the Eagles document a particularly debauched event in Pretty Maids all in a row. Frank Zappa goes one, one further than writing songs and forms a group made up entirely of groupies. The GTOs, the release, the release a single album, Permanent Damage, 1969, some groupies become well-known in their own right. Preempting the post-millennial culture of becoming famous for being famous. Among them are B.B. Buell, the mother of Liv Tyler, and Pamela Des Barnes, who writes two books on the subculture. I'm with the band 1977 and Take Another Little Piece of My Heart. A groupie grows up 1993. By the late nine, by late nineteen eighties, there is even a male groupie known as Pleth Pleather. 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 You know, like the fake leather. Oh, okay. Pleather, who follows all female bands such as the Bengals and L Seven. Okay, hold on a minute. Now I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna cut in real quick. This is not part of the script. So, um, L Seven, if I remember right. And um, if I do, if I do this right, I won't make a jerk of myself or an idiot of myself. But if I remember right, L Seven is the band, the fe all female band, where on one of the shows I don't remember where it was at, the lead singer actually took out her tampon, 
sorry about this, and threw it at the audience. Really? Yeah. Anyways, you can continue on. Not all of the liaisons between rock liaisons. Not all the liaisons between rock stars and groupies are one night stands. Several several performers marry their fans, although these are rarely lifelong unions. Todd Run Runnin Rundegren married BB Buell. The Velvet Underground's John Kell married Cynthia Wells of the GTOs, and White Snake's David Coverdale wed Tawny Katane, who became a video vixen when she appeared in Here I Go Again. Here I go again on my own. Sorry. No problem. As for how the word groupie developed a negative connotation, Pamela Desbarn says, and I quote, people just got jealous because they were getting backstage at or pa- they were they weren't getting backstage. Actually, the quote is people were just jealous because we were getting backstage and they weren't, end quote. Cynthia Arbitrotin. Al Britton. Al Britton, the plaster caster, adds some band members didn't like the fact that girls were willing to have sex with other band members besides themselves. They were insecure about their pecking order. Quote, end quote. Quote, end quote. In 1979, at the 21st Grammy Awards, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack won Album of the Year, and the Bee Gees were named Best Pop Group and Best Arrangement for Voices for Staying Alive. Billy Joel's Just the Way You Are won Record and Song of the Year. Donna Summer's Last Dance won two Grammys, Best Female R&B Vocal and Best R&B Song. Also, RCA Records starts handling distribution for A&M Records, which was the largest independent record company before the deal. And that is This Day in Music, February 15, 2019. Now, music purchases this week. Goodwill. And this was bought on February 11th, but it was actually Monday. CD. Pink, Beautiful Trauma, 2017. Now, real quick on this one. This sucker was sealed. Brand new, unopened. Okay. Well, did you not see it was unopened? I mean, I showed it to you. Yeah, it was. It was fact. It was factory sealed. Nobody had opened it. You should have bought two of them because they're only dollar ninety nine. Well, yeah. They had, both, they had two of them over there. Both of them were still sealed. Oh wow! Yeah, that would have been a good deal. Anyways, on vinyl record, Linda Ronstadt, Greatest Hits, nineteen seventy six, and Iron Butterfly, Inagata da Vida, nineteen sixty eight album. That one is an amazing that we got that. And this is, that is definitely, that one there just makes it, wow, what a week has been for music purchases. But let's get on to our main topic and learn a little background information about Cindy Lauper. Cynthia Ann Stephanie Lauper was born at Boulevard Hospital in Astoria, Queens, New York City on June 22nd, 1963. To Catholic fa- to a Catholic family, her father Fred was of German and Swiss descent. Her mother Catherine, I believe that's Neg- Katrini. Oh, Katrini Negallo. No, no, no. Yeah, no, she Katrini. She's an Italian American. Is an Italian American from Sicily. Lopper's siblings are younger brother Fred, nicknamed Butch, and older sister Ellen. Lopper's parents divorced when she was five. Her mother remarried and divorced again. Lopper grew up in the Ozone, Ozone Park. Oh my gosh, I'm getting on her about speaking. I can't speak. Anyways, she grew up in the Ozone Park neighborhood of Queens. As a child, listened to such artists as the Beatles and Judy Garland. At age 12, she began writing songs and playing an acoustic guitar given to her by her sister. Lopper expressed herself with a variety of hair colors, eccentric clothing, and even took a friend's advice to spell her name as, I quote, C-Y-N-D-I, rather than, I quote, C-I-N-D-Y, end quote. And her quirky sense of style led to classmates bullying her, with some cruel children literally throwing stones at her, presumably for being unshamedly different. 
Lopper went to Richmond High Richmond, well, my Richmond High School. She went to Richmond Hill High School, but was expelled. Although she later earned her GED, she left home at 17 to escape her abusive stepfather, intending to study art. Her journey took her to Canada, Canada, where she spent two weeks in the woods with her dog Sparkle, trying to find herself. She eventually traveled to traveled to Vermont, where she took art classes at Johnson State College and supported herself working odd jobs. In the early 1970s, Lopper performed as a vocalist with, a, with various cover bands. One called Doc West covered disco songs as well as Janis Joplin. A later band, Flyer, was active in the New York metropolitan area, singing hits by bands including Bad Company, Jefferson Airplane, and Led Zeppelin. Although Lopper was performing on stage, she was not happy singing covers. In 1977, Lopper damaged her vocal cords and took a year off from singing. She was told by doctors that she couldn't, she would never sing again, but regained her voice with the help of vocal coach Katie Agressa. A- Agressa. In 1978, Lopper met saxophone player John Turry. Through her manager, Ted Rosenblatt, Terry and Lopper formed a band named Blue Angel and recorded the demo tape of original music. Steve Masarski, manager of the Allen Brothers Band, heard the tape and liked Lopper's voice. He thought Blue Angels, he bought Blue Angels' contract for $5,000 and became their manager. Lopper received recording offers as a solo artist but held out wanting the band to be included in any deal she made. Blue Angel was eventually signed by Polydor Records and released a self-titled album on, on the label in 1980. Now, that, that's uh, actually interesting. If you have iTunes, I, I don't know about Amazon. I'll have to do, I would have to double-check that. But on iTunes, if you type in Blue Angel's, you will see their cell is a red album with five people on the front, and you will actually see the their only released album. That is it, true. It is, it is on, so it's on Apple Music. Just so everybody knows. Okay. Continue. Okay. Lopper hated the album cover, saying that it made her look like Big Bird. Despite critical acclaim, the album sold poorly. I quote, it went lead, end quote, as Lopper later joked. Well, you know, I mean, get it. It went, it went lead. You know, I mean, most albums go gold and platinum. Yeah, that she said it went lead. lead. Yeah, <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> and the band broke up. The members of Blue Angel had a falling out with Mazarki and fired him as their manager. He later filed an 80,000 suit against them. 80,000 suit? An $80,000 suit. Okay, well, I thought maybe like 80,000 suits. No, no. An $80,000 suit against them, which forced Lopper into bankruptcy. After this, Lopper temporarily lost, temporarily lost her voice due to an inverted cyst in her vocal cord. After Blue Angel broke up, Lopper spent time due to her financial problems working in retail stores, waitressing at IHOP, which she quit after being demoted to hostess when the manager made a pass at her and singing in local clubs. Her most frequent, frequent gigs were at El Sombrero, Music critics who saw Lopper perform with Blue Angel believed she had star potential due to her four octave singing range. In 1981, while singing in a local New York bar, Lopper met David Wolf, who took over as her manager and had her sign a recording contract with Paid Portrait Records, a subsidiary of Epic Records. She's so unusual. On October 14, 1983, Lopper released her first solo album, She's So Unusual. On LP and cassette, the album peaked at number four in the U.S. and became a worldwide hit. The primary studio musicians were Eric Bazilian and Rob Hyman of the Hooters. And those of you who are wondering who that of uh, them, they're the ones that had to hit. Uh, I think the next year after this was uh, "And We Danced." 
Um, also, studio musicians were Rick Chertoff, Richard Termini, Peter Wood, and also for you Kiss fans out there, you'll recognize this name. Oh, I just went blank. <laughs> I forgot to write this one in there. Um, Anton Fig, who for Kiss fans, they, you know, he played on, uh, played drums for Kiss on um, Unmasked and on Dynasty instead of Peter Chris. And also, he participated in most of Ace Freely's solo art, solo album, including 2018's Spaceman. Wow. Whopper became popular with teenagers and critics, in part due to her hybrid punk image, which was crafted by stylist Patrick Lucas. Lopper was interested in writing her own songs, but the record co- company provided her with songs to record. They were written by other writers. Lopper sometimes changed the lyrics in the material she was given by the record company. Such is the case with Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And I quote, I had a different take on the song. Obviously, he's a guy. He's not going to write what a woman's going to sing about. I sing girls for all the women around the world to remember our power. I did with the intention of being a song to uplift women and send a message of empowerment to women. End quote. Cindy Lauper. The album's second single, Time After Time, was co-written by Lauper and Rob Hyman. Time After Time hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and Adult Contemporary charts. The song would earn Lopper an RIAA gold certification for record sales that reached 500,000 copies and was later covered by Miles Davis on his album, album, You're Under Arrest. It became a staple of Davis's live shows at the time, featuring on, featuring, featured on the live album Live Around the World. The other Billboard Hot 100 singles on She's So Unusual were She-Bop, number, tr- number three, All Through the Night, number five, and Money Changes Everything, number 27. The album includes five cover songs, including, including the Brian's new wave track, Money Changes Everything, and Prince's When You Were Mine. The album made Lopper the first female to have four consecutive Billboard Hot 100 top five hits from one album. LP stayed in the top 200 charts for more than 65 weeks and since has sold over 16 million copies worldwide. Lopper won Best New Artist at the 1985 Grammy Awards. She's So Unusual also received nominations for Album of the Year. Record of the Year, Best Female Pop Vocal Performance for Girls Just Want to Have Fun and Song of the Year for Time After Time. It also won the Grammy for Best Album Package, which went to the art director, Janet Peer. The video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun won the inaugural award for Best Female Video at the 1984 MTV Video Music Awards and made Lopper an MTV staple. The video featured professional wrestling manager Captain Lou Albano as Lopper's father, her real-life mother, Katrini, as her mother, and also featured her attorney, her manager, her brother Butch, and her dog Sparkle. In 1984-85, Lopper appeared on the covers of Rolling Stone magazine, Time, and Newsweek. She appeared twice on the cover of People and was named a Miss Magazine Woman of the Year in 1985. In 1985, Lopper participated in USA for Africa's Famine Relief Fundraising single, fundraising single, We Are the World which sold more than 20 million copies since then. Lopper Lopper appeared with professional wrestler Hulk Hogan, who played her bodyguard and would later make many appearances as herself in a number of the World Wrestling Federation's WWF, now WWE, Rock and Wrestling Connection events, and played Wendy Richter's manager in the inaugural WrestleMania event. WrestleMania 1 can be found on the WWE Network. David Wolf, Lopper's boyfriend and manager at the time, was a wrestling fan as a boy and engineered the Rockin' Wrestling Connection. Now, we're about to get into the actual album. Give our opinions of what we hear and what, you know, as you guys know, we break it down. I tell you what I hear um, musically, and then Kim will give you the breakdown of what she, at least what to her, the lyrics are saying. 
um, may not be what Lopper had in mind, might not be what the art, original artists had in mind, but it's what we hear, you know, and that's, again, this whole show's our opinion. So we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to do this like it's on LP or even like it's on a cassette where you got side one, side two. So we're going to start with side one. Track number one is Money Changes Everything. That was written by Tom Gray. Now the song starts with drums. Then the guitar follows. Then synthesizer and bass guitar. First verse, drums, guitar, and bass only. Chorus, chorus, still drums, guitar, and bass. At the end of the chorus, the synthesizer comes back in. Second verse follows the first with guitar, drums, and bass only. Chorus follows, follows first time. Synthesizer comes back in again after chorus. Then there's a breakdown where only drums and, as in the liner notes, they call it a hooter, but it's actually a melodica. And a melodica is a free reed instrument similar to a pump organ and harmonica. It has a musical keyboard on top. And it's played by blowing air through a mouthpiece that fits into a, a hole on the side of the instrument. Just a little, like, I remember there was something on another, another episode where we, I kind of gave you what that instrument was. I just wanted, since I was like, man, I don't remember what the heck this thing looks like. So I had to look it up, which I did. And that's why I gave a little breakdown of it. So after we get done with that little breakdown, then the guitar comes back in and then as Cindy starts yelling you, bass and synthesizer come back in for the chorus. As the song heads to the end, the melodica comes back in with all instruments and then the song fade out, fades out. Now let's get Kim's lyric, what she heard lyrically. You and your significant other are living paycheck to paycheck, but you met someone new and you're leaving with him tonight, even though you swore with your lover that you would have everlasting love but money changes everything but you find out that people are only your friend because you have money and everyone is only looking out for themselves so so money and having everything is not all cracked up as it seemed because you're still lonely and miserable money rude wall evil <laughs> song number two Obviously, the first single that she released was Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which I find interesting because I know, we, as we mentioned before, she rewrote the lyrics to this because of, I mean, honestly, I, 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 haven't looked at, I haven't looked at the actual original lyrics, but from what I read online, it was very, he, he pretty much was describing loose women. So, wow. Yeah. So again, huh. but it's written, but she left it as written by Richard, Robert Hazard. Um, in the actual liner notes, I'm just going to point this out because I actually had to. Look, I was looking at him earlier on the in the CD sing, or in the CD. She actually thanks Robert for allowing her to change his lyrics. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's very cool. And so, anyways, just want to give that little fact, little fun fact out there. Anyways, the song starts with a short run through the keys. But the producer has it start on the left on the left side channel or left ear or your left speaker, and moves to the right side, right ear or right speaker. Then guitar, drum, drums, and bass come in. First verse, drums, bass, and keyboard playing. When she sings, girls just want to have fun. Guitar hits a chord, then comes in during the bridge to the next verse. Second verse follows the first chorus follows, and then chorus comes. I really didn't, yeah, pretty much the chorus that everybody, all the instruments are playing. Then there is a keyboard solo, but it sounds like a wood, wood block. That's kind of, you know, or a synthesizer. You know how back, you know, with a keyboard, with the electronic keyboards and synthesizers, you can make them, and that's why most of these bands that had were heavy in the synthesizer or into the keyboards. They had multiple keyboards on stage, so they get all these different sounds. And it really does, in my way, I the way it sounds to me is like wood block. Um, Anyways, uh, third verse, keyboard continues with the woodblock sound. Otherwise, um, it follows just like the first verse. Chorus repeats to the end with one of the keyboards still sounding like a woodblock. Chorus repeats multiple times before fading out. Lyrically, 
This, oh yeah, my bad. This yeah. is this is my meeting. This is my opinion on the meeting. The weekend is here, and you and your girlfriends go out and paint the town red and have a good time. As you come home, your mom is waiting for you, wanting to know what are you going to do with your life. And then your best friend calls that night and plans a girls' night out. And dad is trying to discourage a girls' night out. So you go so you go away. You are now an adult working a five-day-a-week job. And by the weekend, you and your friends want a girls' night out. And you plan a girls' night out and have fun painting the town red. Man, if this was an uncensored podcast or explicit podcast, I would be saying some stuff right now. But since it's not, I'm just going to leave it alone. Those of you that maybe just got my meaning, We'll understand what I'm talking about. If not, you can always message me on Facebook or Twitter or whatnot, or or you can email us and I'll tell you what the heck I was talking about during Kim's description of the lyrics. Anyways, track number three, When You Remind, written by Prince. The keyboards and drums and bass start the song. Guitar comes twice with a couple of quick strums. Then the keyboard plays the chorus of the song. First verse, guitar is providing the quick strums throughout the verse into the chorus where the keyboard is playing playing the riff at the end of the chorus there is a distorted guitar riff second verse follows as the first course is also the same then there is a breakdown where cindy hits a high note and the band is playing that 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 then the keyboard mimics cindy into the third verse follows as previous verses course again stays the same as before guitar plays a clean riff with a distorted chord as the song fades out one thing i like to point out is that during the verse it sounds like a duet however i believe that the second voice is just lower than cindy it's, it's just cindy in a lower octave again this is my opinion but i tried to find any out any information about the recording but didn't find anything about the vocals so in other words you got cindy singing in her high register and then i believe it's there's a second voice in there that's low, and at one point it kind of holds longer than, than Cindy's high voice, and it really does sound like Cindy Lauper. So I'm assuming that they just had her sing um, a lower octave and then put and then put them over the top of each other to give to give it a certain uh, sound, but like a duet. Anyways, lyrically, what you got? The memories of your best friend who spent time with you daily, and you lent clothes and money to her and now she is dating a new guy and does not come around anymore to visit because she's always with her man and you know this because you have followed her once before and found out the truth you know i what i find and i'm just gonna point this out i find that one i kind of ironic for myself i know usually we don't give our expert opinions and stuff but i'm gonna kind of break off here for a second so sidebar I actually had friends like this. I really did. I had friends that when they weren't dating nobody, oh, they came around all the time. But then when they were dating somebody, yeah, it was like, screw you. So, yeah. Wow. You know, that's what you took from that. I mean, I didn't obviously didn't let my friends close their money, but, well, I you know, kn- but I mean, when it comes down to it, I mean, you know, when, when they're dating somebody, they don't want to be, be your friend anymore. Or hang out with you no more. That's true. And then when you got a girlfriend, they're pissed off because you're not hanging out with them. Because you just take it from their page. That's true. Anyways, all right, let's move on. Time after time. This is song number four on the first side. This was written by Cindy Lauper and Rob Rob, Rob Hyman. Um, the song starts out with drums and synthesizer with guitar joining in. First verse, drums and synthesizer first, then the guitar comes in. Second verse follows previous verse, then synthesizer snare. So again, you can use the keyboard synthesizer as a drum machine too, as drums. And they do use a lot of that also in, in this song. Um, so at this time, the synthesizer uh, gives a snare sound. And then, of course, bass joins the song. Rob Hyman is providing the backing vocals with Lopper in the chorus. Uh, guitar plays a series of notes during the bridge. Third verse, same as the second verse. Chorus, chorus repeats, same as before. 
Now the guitar plays a series of chords and riffs during this bridge, back to the chorus, same, same as before, repeat title about seven times, while Lopper brings her voice down to a whisper. Sixth retreat, she whispers time after. And seventh retreat, she only, she only whispers time. Then the song fades out. Lyrically, what do you got? Once on your own with your significant other, and you start to remember your mom, who you miss very much, and remember that no matter what happens or where you are, she will always be there for you, either in your heart, memory, or physically. Your mom is going to be with you. All right, well, that is side one. We're going to head to side two. Now, real quick, on side two, first song, if you have young children and you don't want them to hear about this first song, pause the podcast, come back to it later without them. If you think it doesn't matter, you can listen to it with them or at least listen to it without them the first time and then say whether or not you want them to listen to this part. So kind of give me like just a little bit of uh, a parental guidance at this point because of this song that we're going to. And the reason why is you'll Kim's going to pretty well nail it right out the, out the door because anyways, we'll get to it when we get to it. We're, so we're going to go into this. I mean, you, I'll tell you, I mean, if you really want, you can actually have them listen to my part of it, but then maybe not have them listen to what Kim says. Just saying. And then what I say after that. Okay. So. We're going to go. Here we go. Track one, side two. Shebop. Written by Lopper, Rick Chertoff, Gary Corbett, and Stephen Broughton Lunt. Song starts with the drums, slightly distorted guitar and bass. Guitar and bass are playing the iconic riff. Then the synthesizer comes in. First verse after each lyrical sentence, the synthesizer comes back in playing the riff with the guitar and bass. Second verse, keyboard or synthesizer. It's playing a series of notes that goes throughout the verse. Chorus, bass plays a normal bass line. Synthesizers is playing a part that sounds like chimes. Again, it's just my opinion, it sounds like chimes. Then the breakdown with the bass and guitar playing the main riff. Synthesizer is playing a part that could be mistaken for someone whistling. Then followed by the keyboard sounding like an orchestra. This is repeated a couple times throughout this, throughout this bridge or breakdown. In other words, it could be a solo if it had actually had a guitar in it. Really had a guitar in it. One was actually doing a guitar solo. But this is pop music, you know, we, you know, we, you know, pop rocket stuff. Anyways, uh, again, like I said, I just said it could be a solo. Anyways, third verse repeats the way they played the second verse. Chorus now has keyboard, adding a couple of hits with its drum parts. Repeat the chorus again, phase out with the synthesizer only. Now, at this part of this of the of show, of the song, you may want to just not listen to this with your ch- small children. Just saying. Kim, what did you get lyrically? When you first listen to this song, you might not catch all the lyrics, so you think the song is about a couple dancing. Hold it right there. Let, let's, let's point this out real quick, okay? First thing is, when you're young, because of some of the, I'm going to point this out here in a minute, but because of certain parts of this song, the what she says, you do things, it's, it's a freaking dance song. That's true, because I thought okay, it was, continue. Too. And that it is, and that it, that it is your brief, that it is your brief. Belief. It is your belief. How do you not even write? read your own writing? I'm sorry. And that it is your belief for a long time. And then you listen to the song again and find out this song is about masturbating. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that funny? You bring that up because Lopper said she wanted, and I quote, children to interpret bebop aloobop as, as being about dancing while on the other hand, the track is a cheeky ode to female masturbation. End quote. Cindy deliberately chose not to allude directly to masturbation so that, and I quote, it passed the censors and got played on radio and MTV. End quote. But after confirming the song's risque subject matter during an interview with the infamous sex therapist, Dr. Ruth, the track was included on the Filthy 15, the PMRC's 
list of songs corrupting the youth of America. Alongside Madonna's Dress You Up and, of course, Prince's Darling Nikki. We are going to have an episode about PMRC because I'm going to make sure about that. And I'm sorry, I just friggin' I made that click. I made that uh, hit hit the top of the bar, and I apologize to that for getting that loud. But oh my goodness, I I I I have a hatred for PMRC. But we will get into this. We will have an episode about PMRC at some point this year. It might have to be one of those ones where it's a friggin' straight up. It's going to be explicit because I probably will not hold back on swearing. Okay. You're going to have to fill me in on a lot of what well, you want to say no. about it because I only know I'll very probably, little well, about all it. All I do is have you give all the background information about the PMRC then so I can just go rip them apart. Okay. And I'll, and I'll get quotes from like Blackie Lawless. Anyways, we'll get into that when okay. we get into that episode. So, okay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not let, let your children listen to that last part of this of this you can now let them listen to this next part song number two all through the night written by jules share song the song starts with a synthesizer first verse which starts with the song title on the third lyrical sentence a keyboard joins in playing chords chorus bass and jo- drums join in second verse bass continues with the synthesizer and keyboard Halfway through the second lyrical sentence, drums join the band. Third lyrical sentence, the bass guitar plays a bass line. That is what I would call very groovy. Course, same as before. Then there's a synthesizer solo with the bass playing under the groove-orientated bass line. Drums are just there to hold the beat. In in other words, this is a bridge. This is what they call a bridge. (laughs) We're bridging from one spot of the song to the next. Fourth verse, everyone is playing is playing bass is still playing that groovy, that groove bass line that was played during the bridge. Back to the chorus, everyone playing the same as they had each, each previous course. Song ends with seeing Cindy seeing ooze and holding each one after uh, holding each one. After about the third one, the song starts to fade out. Lyrically. Two people who are so in love with each other spend the night together. As the night wears on, she knows time is precious, is a precious thing, and wants to stay awake so she can spend time with him. Time is not on your side, and you listen to the surrounding sounds and think, we do not have a past together, so this is a new beginning, and you hope it lasts beyond the special night you spent together. Track number three, Witness, written by Lopper and John Turry. Now, you remember John Turry was part of uh, Lopper in Blue Angel. So this is a song that uh, she and him wrote together. Anyways, the song starts out with the guitar slightly distorted. Second guitar plays a reggae-style reggae riff. Drummer is playing rim shots and then hitting the tom-toms in his ska-pop style. First verse, the keyboard comes in and hits a chord that echoes course keyboard plays a series of chords second verse at same as before except drummer hits the tom-toms and synthesizer does a run through the keys as one would on the piano from one into the other course again is the same then at the bridge the song changes into a basic rock pop song third verse back to the reggae sounding chorus follows the same as before then another bridge rocks pop style with everyone yelling witness. Then the drummer plays what could be described as a tribal drum piece, with everyone saying witness a couple of times, back to the reggae sound, and fourth verse, same as before. But now the drummer is playing more tom-toms, and guitar is providing an extra rip. Then the keys hits notes that are echoed. Chorus, drummer does rolls through the tom-toms. Then a cymbal crash, repeat chorus again, same as before. After the last cymbal crash, back to the rock-pop style, Finish with everyone saying witness as synthesizer play, play or hits a final note that echoes out. Lyrically on witness. The man you love has somehow changed towards you and he controls your every move, tells you what to wear and what to do. You remember when you first met him, 
how kind and gentle he was towards you. And now you're seeing changes take place and decide this is enough. I don't want to stay in this relationship and watch you treat me like a jailbird and control me so you so you pack up all your things and prepare to le- prepare to leave as he states I need you but you don't care and don't listen and pick up your things and get out of there so you can start a new life without him. And track number 4 I'll kiss you written by Lopper and Sheer the song starts with drums and bass. However, bass is being played on the synthesizer. Guitar comes in with a chord. First verse after a lyrical sentence, guitar hits the chord and synthesizer plays a series of notes. Building to what we, what you would think we'd be going to the chorus. Synthesizer plays a series of chords to build us. But then we go to the second verse. Again, same as the first, except the synthesizer hits a couple of notes. Then the drummer hits snare, Tom Thompson, crash cymbal. While synthesizer holds the chord, chorus, bass, guitar joins with the drummer repeating snare, tom-tom, and crash cymbal. Third verse, same as second, second, third verse, same as the second time, second chorus, I mean, sorry, uh, or yeah, chorus, same as the second verse. All right, let's try that again. I really bombed that one. Third verse, same as the second verse, chorus, same as before. Bridge has a synthesizer solo. Then it's just drummer and the backing vocals doing bong, 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 something like that. Pretty close. Fourth verse repeats some lyrics from the first verse with, again, drummers and backing vocals. Then right into the chorus as before. Repeat lyrics from the fourth verse. And, of course, guitar is playing a series of notes as song fades out, repeating the title. Kimberly, what did you get? Or I'll kiss you. There is a person on the corner who you've heard about who has magic potions to help your love life. So you walk to the walk to that corner and tell her that you're you're a hopeless romantic and want some romance in your life. And she gives you a bottle with the number eight on it. You thank her and take the bottle. And when you get home, you take a drink. And wow, you can now talk to guys, which is awesome. But now you're out of the potion and return to this person, and she gives you another bottle labeled number nine. You thank her again. You return home and drink the potion, and now you have gone from a hopeless romantic to kissing everyone you meet, including your boyfriend who you are now dating. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Track number five. I don't really know. It's either a track or it's not a track. It could be just, anyway, you'll, you'll figure it out here in a minute. It's called He's So Unusual. It was written by Al Sherman, Al Lewis, and Abner Silver. Now, this song was made famous by Helen Kane in 1929. Those of you who want to search on YouTube, search He's So Unusual, Helen Kane. That's K-N-E. You know, like Kane. Well, forget it. I don't think we got how many wrestling fans we got listening to this. It's like Kane, Big Red Machine. From WWE, who's now a mayor. Man, love wrestling character. Anyways, song starts with what would be a very pitted record. Piano starts in what I would describe as trying to sound like the 1920s styles. Go figure, since it was done in 1929. Now, just so everybody knows, I did not find this information out about it actually the original song coming out in 1929 until I started doing some research on it and went, oh my goodness, this is crazy. This is only heard in the right channel only, or right ear, right speaker. The song could be more of an intro into the 10th track or 6th track on side 2 instead of being a song. Now, I'm going to point something out. On iTunes, they put He's So Unusual as track number 9 because it goes into the song, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I mean, it, it, it probably isn't. It's more of an intro probably than an actual track. Anyways, Kim, what'd you get from it? There are some lyrics to it. There is lyrics, yes. She is describing her boyfriend and how he was shy and bashful, but goes on to college and gets some knowledge. And he changes, he changes somehow, and he is now unusual in his actions. And she loves him. And she loves him. All right, real quick. I'm gonna, one thing I want to say about Helen Kane, I, I, I did some 
and, and again, we're sidebarring again, okay? This might become something that we would do, especially when I find out some interesting information. I want to add that in, add into the actual script, which is kind of cool. Um, one thing I actually, one Kim, we did get, she got to hear the song by Helen Kane when we got home, when she got home from, uh, from work. And first of all, Helen Kane sounds like Betty Boop. Yes, she does. Which, doing some digging, found out that the creator of Betty Boop actually used Helen Kane as his idea for Betty Boop. And in Paramount Pictures, they took Betty, uh, they brought in some impersonators of her for an audition to get the gals who were going to do the voice of Betty Boop. So just so you know, this gal actually sounds and somewhat looks like Betty Boop. She does. She does. It's kind of interesting. It is. It is very interesting. Anyways, because, I mean, it, I mean, yeah. So, anyways, we're going to run into track number six or track number 10 or track number nine, depending on which version or how you're looking at it. It is called Yeah, Yeah. It was written by Hasi Huss and Michael Rixfors. This song starts with two hits from the keyboard drums, then into drums and bass, saxophone solo, and synthesizer. First verse, saxophone, the saxophone drops out, backing vocals start, then Cindy repeats second lyrical sentence. When Cindy sings, there is also another overdub of Cindy in what would I would call, I did put, and this is this before I found this information, out, Betty Boop-esque sound. Now, what I did find out is actually the parts that we're hearing is only on your right, right channel or on the right side of the song is actually more lyrics from the He Is So Unusual song. I found that out while doing some digging. So over this verse, she has different scenes that are only coming out of, the, like I said, the right side channel. Um, drums hit with hit tom-toms going to the chorus where you hear a keyboard playing in an, or, in an organ sound. Second verse repeats as the first time back into the chorus, same as before. Saxophone solo with the band playing as it does in a chorus. Third verse, music is same as before. Chorus, same as before, with drummer also hitting the tom-toms. Then there is one last set of lyrics, but it's only on the right channel with Cindy. Again, I'm going back to the Betty Boop, because again, so we're going back to Helen Kane. Sound like Helen Kane or Betty Boop as the song fades out. Lyrically, what did you get? Okay, what I got, and some of this may be repeated from the previous song, but he is unusual, but you still love him, and he loves you. Even though he has changed, it was a change for the better. You and him are now enjoying life and spending time together, exchanging poems and telling each other the way you feel. Yes, he is unusual, but you love him for being him and not trying to be someone else. Cool. Now we're going to move into some other opinions of ours on the album now let's start with favorite song for me the whole there isn't just one song that's a favorite for me i enjoy this whole album from front to back i there's not one song that i i could skip there's not one song that i would want that if i think i want to listen to some pop rock that i just jump on it it just boom i play the whole album when i learn when i want to listen to just straight like pop you a pop rock style, I'll, I will pull up Cindy Lauper, She's So Unusual. Kim, what's your favorite track? I agree with you. The, the whole album is a really good album. However, I do have a favorite song, and it is Time After Time. I do like that one because of not only the message that I found in it, but also because it's a song that if you're having a bad day or if you're down, you can always relate to it and always remember, oh, yeah, mom was there for me, and she always will be. So, as you all know, from favorite song, we go to least favorite. Well, if I just said I like the whole album, obviously there is going to be no least favorite for me. I did say I had a favorite song, but... The whole, but after listening to the album, I really don't have a least favorite song. I liked all of the songs on the album. Now, as you all know, we move on to the next part is overall sound. Now, I would consider this a pop rock album. Hence, hence, I've said it a couple times. 
However, it is heavy synthesizer, which is involved in each track. Cindy has a one-of-a-kind voice. Well, maybe not one-of-a-kind anymore. Now that I've found Helen Kane and started really putting two and two together, realizing, holy crap, they really do sound like Betty Boop. Anyways, no, I'm joking. Cindy does have one-of-a-kind voice and not hard and hard not to guess who is seen when you hear her on the radio, TV show, or a movie. Kim, what's your overall sound? The My overall sound is this. The sound of the lyrics of each song went well together, and each song told a story, and each song you were able to relate to in some way or another. Being told in each song, it was as if each song is a chapter, and that chapter is part of your life. Well, isn't that what... Life is a yeah, chapter. Yeah, life is a chapter. You are correct. No, I mean, you go from one to one to twelve. That's your preteen years. That's true. Well, actually, you go from zero to what four is your first part learning years, and you got five to five to twelve, which is pretty much your grade school years, which is your preteens. All went to preteen, then you got your teenage years, thirteen to eighteen, thirteen to nineteen. And then you're an adult. Then you're an adult, <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> but then you still got different chapters as you hit your 20s. You, you know, go through your 20s, go through your 30s, go through your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and then die. Or 80s and die. Who knows? Anyways, now let's move on. If this is the first time you, first of all, was this your first time listening to this album? Yes, it actually was. I, I whoa, 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 The whole whoa, album. What? The whole album, listening to it seriously, yes. Okay. I mean, you've never heard all the songs before. No. The only ones on this album that I remember hearing was Time After Time. Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And Girls Just Want to Have Fun. The only ones you ever heard off that one. Yeah. Wow. So when when we chose to do this album together, I was stoked because this would be the first time I would be able to listen to it from song one to song ten. You know what? You know what? I usually start these scenes. But because this is actually your very first time listening to it, have at her. What did it do? What did it exceed me or was it below your expectations? You only heard two songs before. Uh, just off of those two songs, or you, what was your idea for your expectations for this album? Off of the two songs that I heard, and this is not, this is long before I had seriously listened to the whole album, it actually exceeded my expectations because after I was able to listen to the whole album for this podcast, I found out that even though it was made in the eighties and has that eighties sound to it, it's actually an album that you can relate to in some way or another. So my question to you is this, because you say you sitting there saying it's 80 sounding, you know, obviously it's got that eighties sound. Would you recommend this to a younger person? Yes, I would. Heaven forbid, unless these people were only into metal or hard rock or country, would you recommend this album to anyone in even our age bracket? Yes, I actually would. So you would highly recommend this album? I would, yes. Obviously, older people probably won't do them good. No, no. (laughs) But anyway, so you would definitely highly recommend this album for probably our listeners? Yes, I would. So there you go. Go check it out. Anyways, I can actually give you, I'm going to give you how I even got to know who Cindy Lauper was. Because again, we lived in a small town in Battlemont, Nevada. We didn't have MTV. No, we didn't. However, I had seen Cindy on WWF, now WWE TV, in probably 83, 84, coming out with Hulk Hogan. Either, and either they played a song or they showed her music video for girls just want to have fun, which had Captain Lou in it. Eventually I'd seen the cassette at a local store and bought it upon listening to the album. I liked it and would play the whole album over and over. I would say at this time in my young life that it, it, it did exceed my expectations. Now, again, I, I would highly recommend this to anybody. Um, and I, heck, I would even recommend it to uh, older people. People above our age bracket, you know, people or some, well, even our parents' generation, the baby boomers, because I really think it's a great pop album. 
you know, I mean, it, it's it's right along pop rock. You know, it's right along the pop rock edge of the Beatles and Beach Boys. That's sure, true. No, they don't sound like them, but it's in that range. It's in that edge. It's got that edge on it. That's true. It does. So anyway, so I would definitely recommend this to everybody listening. If you haven't heard Cindy Lauper, she's so unusual. Go check it out. Find the first album, the very her eighty the eighty three version first. Listen to that. Then go find the thirtieth. Oh wait, we haven't got, we haven't even talked about thirtieth anniversary. We'll talk about that in a minute. There is a thirtieth anniversary out. Um, we don't have it, so but I'll we'll explain that in a minute. Anyways, so let's get the personnel on this album on She's So Unusual in uh, nineteen eighty three. Obviously, Cindy Lauper did lead and back backing vocals. Eric Bazillion, Bazillion guitars and bass guitar, Hooter melodica saxophone and background vocals yeah see i it, it said hooter in the liner notes and i went yeah okay that's melodica so that's why i made sure i put that in there rob hyman he uh not only did he write a song with her but he also played the keyboards and some backing vocals additional musicians are anton fig drums and percussions like i said earlier anton is did play on two Kiss albums. Um, also went on to play in a lot of Ace Freely solo stuff, including stuff uh, uh, Free, Ace or Freely's Comet back in the day, all the way through uh, his last album, 2018's Spaceman. Neil Jason, bass guitar. Richard Richard Termini. Oh my gosh, it just stuck on me. Synthesizers. Rick DeFonso, guitar. Peter Wood, synthesizer. Rick Chertoff, 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 extra percussion. And he's also the producer of the album. William Rock Pygmy Whitman, guitar. Additional background vocals. Vocalist. Vocalist. Ellie Greenwich. Maretha. Maretha Stewart. Diane Wilson. Crystal Davis. And Jules Schur. Awards and certificates. RIAA Gold. March 26, 1984. Platinum. March 7th, 1984. Or May 7th, 1984. Good Lord Almighty. Two times platinum or two times multi platinum. October 30th, 1984. All right. Just real quick for our, 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 our listeners, real quick. Gold. That's 500,000 copies. Platinum is a million copies. Obviously, if you go two times multi-platinum, that is two million copies. Four times multi-platinum, which is four million copies. March 12th, 1985. Five times multi-platinum. December 4th, 1991. Six times multi-platinum. February 28th, 1997. Now, just to get, obviously you heard it, it's still 16 million worldwide. RIAA is only for America. It's only for the United States. So it took until 97 for the album to go the album to sell over 6 million copies in the U.S. alone. Wow. I was going to say, you got something to say, go for it. Okay, chart position. Album. Billboard 200. Number four. Singles. Billboard Hot Peak Position. That's Hot 100 Peak Position. Billboard Hot 100 Peak Position. Girls Just Want to Have Fun, number two. Time After Time, number one. Shebop, number three. All Through the Night, number five. Money Changes Everything, number 27. When You Were Mine, released in 1985 in the U.S. as a promotional single exclusively and released commercially in Canada and Japan, peaked at number 62 on the 1985 Canadian Singles Chart. Uh, I kind of dropped the bomb earlier about the 2013 30th anniversary anyways. In 2013, it marked the 30th anniversary of She's So Unusual, which Lopper released the 30th anniversary edition. As of right now, we don't own this, but we'll, we, we will be looking to buy it very soon. In closing, we would like to thank you all for downloading this episode. If you are a new listener and haven't subscribed, please click the sub- subscribe button. If you subscribe, you will be notified when a new episode becomes available. Another way to help our podcast is by giving us a five-star review. Five-star. Five-star. It will help new five listener star. 
new listeners find this show when they are looking for a new podcast to listen to. Also, you, our listeners, can share this show on your own social media accounts to help spread the word about this podcast. Thanks again to all our current and longtime listeners. Used and abused can be found on the following social media places at on Twitter at Used Abused Pod. Facebook at Used Abused Pod. That is our Facebook page, by the way. Yeah, Facebook page, sorry. Instagram. Most of you do most of you probably know you can follow me there. It's at the, the, the Instagram used and abused pod. Again, and that and is spelled out A N D A N D. Used and abused pod on Instagram. Email used and abused pod at gmail.com. Again, and is spelled out A N D. You and on YouTube, used and just search out used and abused pod as always. All social media links will be included in the description of each and every episode. You can always click on those links as well. We can be found on the following podcast app and directories. Anchor. iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Google Play Music. Google Podcasts. Pocket Casts. Overcast. Breaker. CastBox. Radio Public. Spotify. And tune in. Please rate and review Use and Abuse and Music Podcast. Until next episode, have a great weekend and a work week. Be kind to everyone and And keep keep the the music music playing. playing.